0: Here we
1: are. There we go. We are here. Sophie <laughs> Lane, Lydia Mackay. Welcome back to There the we go. That's a new one. Here we go. Wait, here there's we... a plane. Hold on. Everybody Ooh. just take a breath. Let's take let brain the plane fly by. You just know what? This ignored. is a really good time to
0: practice tuning out your surroundings, mm. tuning in to your...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i was trying You're to in the opposite of surroundings
0: well it's like that be? being present mm. this is one of my intentions slash goals for the year Ooh. i haven't got any um running structure yet i mean i do i have a few but I haven't fully flushed it out yet. Mm-hmm. But one of my things is about being more, creating more space and more time to tune in <laughs> to my insides, <laughs> my innards,
1: <laughs> my innards. Well, you know what? Yeah. Thinking of being present at the festival that we went to. I mm. did that pottering class. Did I? Did I tell you what I made in the end? You made yourself. No, but so then I had to smash- <laughs> But then I had to smash that and create my new self. Oh, I thought that yeah. was the new self with the shop. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I couldn't think of anything. So I just made a person the first time. But then we had to smash that. That was like oh. 2022. It's over. Get rid of it. Oh. Start fresh. And you know what I came up with? A flower. A snail. Oh, okay. Now, you oh, know what? Well, this why? is the year of power.
0: Remember, this is the year of, you were trying to think of two words to describe yourself.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: durable and durable and uh, moves with pace. <laughs> but for context, Sophie Lane sent me a 15-minute audio and she was trying to come up with two words to describe her training style,
1: 2023. <laughs> and the best she had was durable and Powerful. Oh, I think they're quite good. Yeah. Durable, I, mean, I want to be resilient. I want to be injury yes, free. I want to be so robust. Much nicer than Maybe durable. robust. That's yeah, robust good. Robust is better.
0: Durable okay. is just oh. like, what have we used the word durable for? It's like a nice, hardy, durable tire. My car.
1: <laughs> well, I'm a hardy, durable snail. <laughs> and you know why I'm a snail? Why? Because, oh, go. The hard shell. Oh, I like that. <laughs> hard shell, but soft inners. <laughs> <laughs> Soft and squishy on the inside. No, um, because snails really just <laughs> they move slowly, which sounds silly because I want to run fast. But they I want a glistening trail. They do, but they slow down and they really take the time to appreciate <laughs> all of the pebbles. <laughs> and yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you know, just slow down, be present. Don't just skim through life wishing for the next day, waiting for the next thing. You just, mm-hmm. you're there and you just cruising through and then you have a quick run and then you cruise along.
0: Oh, so when
1: do the snails run? Well, like in my imagination this is create. I was trying to be creative okay you know what it is it's when someone picks them up and goes oh look a snail <laughs> and, then they and then they get
0: smashed by oh. but you know but when then we start help fresh- them out sometimes you see them and you see where they're going and you're like you know what mate I'm gonna save you an hour I'm gonna put you forward a meter have you ever
1: done that no I can't I- crushing the I'm crushing the ants remember Oh, that's <laughs> we had do. very different childhoods I was busy crushing ants you were busy saving snails it's a really nice thought but like I feel like that's just part of their life, right? They've just got to get there. They just need to take those moments, take it all in, anyway. And the moral of the story is: slow down, smell the roses, and then run quickly. Bit of a contradiction, but I can we can do both. I reckon you don't have to box yourself into being one thing versus a snail and a cheetah.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, a snail could be sitting on the cheetah's back. That's about teamwork, right? You're the
1: Probably cheater, the cheater, and, cheater. I'm the snow and I'm just <laughs> riding along. Wow, the strong. Dealer.
0: Like mm. anyway, let's let's not be. Let's just be <laughs> ourselves. But I do like the analogy. I always say, stop and smell the butterflies or the roses. Butterflies <laughs> or <the> smell? <laughs> no, the smell of the, ro- the roses or the butterflies. Stop and see the sights, and mm. that is something that I feel like I've done for a long time. But as I said one of my themes for the year is creating more space. And so part of that is about stopping and smelling flowers, blah, 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 but also just like pausing more and breathing more and, you know, just chilling. So,
1: Mm. yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that plane flew by. Yeah, me too. Otherwise we would have never got here, you know. Everything Mm -hmm. happens for a reason. Anyway, Sophie Lane, tell me
0: about your week. What have you been focusing on? Tell me what's gone well, what's not gone well,
1: and what are you going to improve for the following week? Fantastic question, Lydia. Now, what went well was Around the Bay 2023. Aww. Terrible Trotters put on the Around the Bay every year and we have done it together. twice yes, haven't we? Once without the Trotters when we did it. A different way, and I did my first marathon, and you did your 1st 30 10k. Have you that. that story? That was I don't, I don't know, but it was- guys. So basically, there's this like 37ish k loop on the Central Coast, and Lydia, myself, and Sue did it together in lockdown. And by the time we got back to my house, it was like you know 38k. Lydia had gone a little bit further ahead because she's a cheater, and I'm a snail. Um, and Sue was somewhere as well. But by the time I got back to the house. Lydia wasn't there. And yeah. so I was like trying to message her and call her and be like, hey, like nearly 40Ks. I think I'm just going to keep going to a marathon. Like we've come all this way. Why would we just not get the marathon now? Like it seems silly not to. But she hadn't responded, didn't see my messages, didn't check the calls, whatever. Anyway, by the time I got to the house, she was like, where have you been? Like what's been going on? Why well, are so slow, you snail? And I said, mate, didn't we all do a marathon? And you said, no, I stopped at 40 who no. stops at 40? Like yeah. the fact that you did an extra 2Ks or whatever it was to get to no. 40, like, look, it's kind of a milestone. But what? it's a
0: big milestone. But if you're going to bother to do miles. extra, you may as well do another two. I thought we were coming together when I opened the front doors and I saw you <laughs> snailing along. I was like, hey, she, We've done 40 k <laughs> And then you were like, show me your watch. You're like, no. yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, God, this is so wrong. I've been relaxing. I've been having a drink, yeah. just chill it out.
1: Were you not and concerned so, about like why oh, I was taking so long?
0: Yeah, but you know, you're a snail. Oh, so true. <laughs> yeah, just so you're out there smelling the roses,
1: <laughs> smelling those butterflies. Yeah, I did try and call you for memory, but mm. I was like, oh, well, she's communication. In,
0: she's Taken it in. Yeah.
1: So um, that was our first attempt. And then we did it again, or maybe we did it before. I'm not really sure. But basically, I did it again this year and I was 20 minutes faster than when I last did it. So oh huh. like that's progress. You yeah. Yeah. And didn't well done. hit the wall. I just sort of plodded along, kept my sort of 540 comfortable pace, just cruising. It wasn't too hot. It was just nice. Um, definitely struggled. Like after 30 Ks, it definitely got a bit harder. But yeah, I was quite pleased with my improvement there. Yeah. I mean, well done. Like. Thanks. Yeah, thirty-seven k is
0: quite a long way. It's funny because it's in the thirties. It mm. sounds so like oh, like it's just
1: like the, mm. you know something, but long it's, run. it's
0: actually you
1: could round it up to nearly a marathon. A marathon. Right? I know. I should have kept going. What was I thinking? <laughs> should have at least done forty. <laughs> um, um, so that was your highlight of the week. Yes, of the two weeks. Yep. Yeah. What was the low? The low light was getting sick afterwards. So I've just been a bit under the weather basically since then. Most of this week, just a little bit tired, a little bit snoozy, a little bit sore throat vibes um but i think i'm on the way up now i think i've passed the peak um and you know what there's a bit of research about the immunosuppression following a extreme event extreme exercise event now Uh, yes so i'm thinking partly i was already tired partly stress partly bit run down already did the big run and i think my immune system was like wow we're struggling to keep up we're gonna make you sick So that's what I'm blaming. I'm going to use the run as an excuse, but also I just go a bit sick, but that's fine. Um, So I've done a few little jogs, did a jog on Monday, a couple of jogs last night. Um, I think I should be able to run tomorrow and Sunday. So a bit of a down week, a bit of a deload accidentally, Um, but that's okay. I think that kind of fits in with where things are at. So hopefully I can get back to some speed work next week to improve my speediness, my power. Mm. And what will you do differently
0: next time to not get sick. I mean, nothing, right? There's only so much you can do.
1: More sleep, I guess.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's just the big, like
1: that's the elephant in the room, right? Mm. <laughs> that is I'm glad we've got it. Yeah. <laughs> we've got so many animals in today's discussion. Um, um, but yeah, that's me. Do you want nice. to tell us about yourself? Um, well, I'm gonna start with my little
0: negativity section oh, yeah. part of the podcast yes. so, so I
1: was a little bit under the weather as well actually oh, yeah. I didn't really tell you or maybe I did I Can't I remember. Did you passed it to me through the audio messages <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I was like you know when you've just got the
0: teeniest tiniest hmm. little bit of a sniffle and you can feel you're slightly congested and you just don't really want to completely acknowledge mm-hmm. it because you're worried if you acknowledge it it'll turn into something yeah uh but basically coming back from our Lost Paradise camping festival experience, which we had over New Year's, which was so much fun. Sophie and I did lots of dancing and singing and <laughs> yoga. <laughs> Sophie didn't we do did. much yoga. Soph was Loving doing yoga. Um, Mate, where were you true.
1: for the meditation that first morning? I busy. was meditating. So, you were asleep, remember? Oh, I got
0: there for a couple Couple minutes
1: late. Oh, no, three... that yoga. I'm talking about the meditation before. That was much more relaxing than what you came to. Oh. That was weird. <laughs> Good about that. Three dimensional, um, eight dimensional, whatever. Yeah, yeah.
0: five dimension yoga. Five. Anyway, that whole festival experience. I joined the circus while I was there and I did heaps of yoga. I did a handstand workshop, laughing yoga classes, all the things and just so much dancing. And I think coming out of that, I definitely didn't have enough sleep and just a lot of energy going out. I definitely came back to coughs and I was like really excited about all the fun things and then being really excited to be home and just doing all my usual things again. But I just like, was a bit tired. And then I had this little sniffly nose. And so last week, basically I did my usual things, but I just was like, just feeling a bit flat. And I was like, Oh, it's so annoying. Like when you used to feeling really good and you can just tell the difference in your body when you just like, haven't had enough sleep, you're not hundred percent well. Um, and just, yeah, there's a lot of other things as well. A few life stress things. I mean, nothing bad, but just trying to find somewhere to live, trying to find someone to take my room, just all those general bits There's heaps and pieces going on
1: in your mind yeah. at the moment.
0: Organizing six camping trips, um, <laughs> organizing my jury. Look, duty, you haven't made it easy tolls. for yourself. <laughs> this
1: process is <has> not being. <laughs> The most relaxing. I organizing scene. my social
0: calendar is stressful. There's so much in it. Like everything booked is busy. booked out. Yeah, very booked, very busy. I've got a wait list now. So, the list. <laughs> honestly, like it's it's literally one in,
1: one out. Whoa, <laughs> oh, geez. I'm glad I can fit in. <laughs> no wonder yeah. I only get audio messages when you're in the car. I nothing else to do. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good.
0: But anyway, <clears throat> that first week, very average. I think I dropped my Ks down to like, 68. So I still had the same-ish volume, mm-hmm. but I missed a gym session or maybe two gym sessions, and just like went extra solo my runs. And as I said, I felt pretty good, but just like not pretty good, like
1: in that in between,
0: you know. Like I was fine, but I was like not thriving. Anyway, this week <laughs> thriving. is the the new leaf, and yes. I've just been surfing heaps, so it's been great. Oh, good. But running wise, I'm already at today's Friday, and I'm already at. 60 K Ooh, and I've got a 20 K run tomorrow.
1: Oh. I think I'll have
0: Sunday as a rest day. So it's going to be an 80 K week, which is super wow. exciting. Everything's feeling really good. I had this sort of neural thing on my left foot, which I've been kind of just like, yeah, kind of doing some stuff for it, but kind of just giving it some rest because certain things aggravate it in the gym, like deadlifts and squats. And it's really interesting having that week last week, not doing heavy lifts at the gym, I have noticed that's like just about gone. So isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. It's still like kind of, but not really. So, yeah, I think um, definitely does get irritated by heavy compound movement. So something yeah. to be observing. Mm-hmm. And my perineal is feeling really good, um, but I've got some weird wrist thing and some weird clavicle thing and mm-hmm. that hip flexor. <laughs> it's still doing things. thing. So I just have weird random things that aren't really anything. But anyway, everything aside from that is feeling good. I went back to running training on Thursday, which is yeah. so fun. I just loved it. We always, It was like a very chill session. We just did like some builds and some like warm-ups and drills and like some gentle building things. The main set was literally three 1K efforts. I was like, that was it. Like that was the only effort. Mm-hmm. But it was so hard. I was like, man, like I don't even remember how to pace for 1K. Mm. But it was nice because like obviously 1K is like such an easy thing to work out what you should be running. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really happy. I did two. The first ones were exactly the same pace, and then the last one was like five seconds slower. So Ooh. I really dropped not it. But enough, you know why? Because mm. there was a homeless person trying to set fire to the bridge that I was running across, and I'm not kidding. We had to call the police.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, so just a bit of drama on what? my Thursday Yeah, I oh, forgot about that.
1: Interesting, yeah. But I know.
0: I was wow. like, he why stared he me to do that? in the eyes, and <laughs> as he put this piece of wood on this fire wow. under this bridge, and I ran back to the coach. I was like, Andy, he's setting fire to so the bridge. So was he intentionally stares. setting fire, or was he just like yes. having a little camp? He was building a fire
1: under the bridge to yeah to build to, to knock it down. down. Is this like to a burn, bridge that people drive over, me. or like is this like a footbridge? Or a this is a little wooden footbridge, a little wooden. Oh, I wonder why. What loop. does he get out of that? Well,
0: burning people. I mean, some people no. do that, right? Uh,
1: but, <laughs> but surely people would see the fire and not, like, how big's the bridge? Well, there's like quite
0: a bit of like bushery around. Bushery like, around. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my highlight of the week was going to running training because I just enjoy that. Like, oh, like you know when you're a bit nervous and you're like not nervous about going back, but nervous of like the hard work mm, and then really you're like hard, yeah. you do your first effort and you're like all right here we go like I'm feeling mm-hmm. really, really good and you're talking yourself up you're like yeah I got this <laughs> I got this and then like Georgia who is like similar pace to me I started after her so I was like trying to catch her mm. but she'd like get a little bit away from me and then I'd start catching her again and then she'd get away from me and then on the second rep we started together and I was like oh like sometimes it messes with your head when you start mm-hmm. next to each other I was like no, like I would rather chase someone. And it's like, no, no, I run with you. And then it's just that awkward, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh, I think it's harder when you start with someone. Because like when they're in front, you can sort of just, oh, I think I'm gaining. Or like, yeah, I think that's about the same. Do you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. anyway, that was a highlight. And what I'm going to do better next week is, um, I'm not really going to do too much. I'm going to be in a tent most of the next two weeks. So, oh, yes, my sleep will potentially be compromised, but I think my runs are all going to be leisure. They're all going to be slow, They're all going to be in the bush, I'm going to be doing all those fun things. So, maybe more volume, maybe less volume, but definitely slower pace. So, Very looking good. forward to the leisure time
1: in nature. Nice. Great summary. Now, today's episode is with the hilarious <laughs> <laughs> Flexing Physio. Dan, he is a physio and a I reckon we could label him a comedian. He is so funny. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen his Instagram reels, they're so good. Like even if you aren't interested in injuries or physio yeah. or any of that, it's just pure entertainment. It's so good. <laughs> even if you're um, not
0: interested in getting an injury, you can yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, definitely check out his page. We talked about what it's like going to see a physio. So what does it involve? What questions should you be asking? What information should you know? Um, what sort of treatments are you used? Do you need a scan? Questions like that. And then we dived a little bit into patella femoral joint pain, um, some signs and symptoms, some anatomy, treatment options and things like that. So it was a very insightful and entertaining chat. We had a few laughs, especially at the start when Lydia <sighs> mentioned something about thriving and striding or something <laughs> like that. So it was off to a good start. So you'll have a nice giggle throughout here, hopefully. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is
0: basically it. Uh, Dan does work in the sort of education side of physio as well, so he's a practicing clinician. But he's actually building courses for young physio, so not necessarily young age, but like (laughs) new in their career. It could be any age, but like um, students slash new grads. Mm -hmm. And he's just trying to upgrade and upskill physiotherapists. So if you are a practitioner, definitely like really check him out because he's got some fantastic content and yeah I I love his stuff um mm. and I actually went to uni with Dan he I think was like a couple years ahead of me we we're like trying to figure this out before we did the episode he was a couple years ahead of me but um yeah Dan is awesome we absolutely love chatting to him he made us laugh so much and we know that you're gonna enjoy this episode because you're gonna learn all about what you need to do when you go to the physio what questions you need to ask and
1: about femoral pain
0: Enjoy, guys.
1: Yeah, and we have some discount codes below if you need some Tailwind or some Vivo Barefoots for your next adventure. Definitely check those out and follow us on Instagram if you're not already, at Strongest Stride.
0: All right, team, welcome back to the Strongest Stride podcast. Today we are super excited because we have got Dan, who is the flexing physio, joining us today to chat all about what it is like as a runner going to the physio and what he does to help new grad and young health professionals strive and thrive in their career. So welcome Dan.
1: <laughs> strive and Thrive. Wow. I love that. Was that from a script?
2: Hey, hey guys. Hey Dan. Well,
0: first of all. I was trying all, to
2: hold it together, but I couldn't. Love it. Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me onto the Stronger Stride podcast. It is an honor. Um, and I think you said in there that I was a runner. Is, did you say that?
0: No, but, I mean, you can be. Oh, well,
2: okay. Well, I am not a runner. So I uh, just want to preface that in case I get runners approaching me, asking me to go for runs with them. <laughs> Maybe the answer this will, will be inspire no. you. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my wife does a lot of running. So I, I say that she runs for the both of us.
1: Oh, good. Uh, yeah, someone's oh, got to do okay. it. That's, That's right. it. Share the load, right? Exactly, exactly. Very good. Do you want to give us a bit of an overview of yourself then? If you don't run, what do you keep do yourself busy? I mean, what else That's is there to? do? From- I aside don't know, from right? running and striving and thriving, what else
2: is there? Strive and thrive. Well, other than obviously striving and thriving. So, as um as the team let you know, my name is Dan. And I, I work as a physiotherapist. Um, outside of work, there's a couple of passions I really like doing. I love cooking. Um, so, that, since this is a podcast, you can't see, it, but I'm Asian. Not, but I'm Asian. <laughs> I am Asian. So <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love eating. I love cooking. I actually just came back from a Malaysia trip like two Ooh. days ago. Oh. So I'm still, I'm still suffering from jet lag. Let's just put oh. it like that.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Any good food there?
2: Oh, man, it's like food heaven, honestly. So my wife's Malaysian. So she was, um, I had to rely on her a lot because I couldn't, I can't speak Malay. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of Malaysians are obviously Malay. So my wife had to help me with everything. Um, But the food was phenomenal. Like there was just so many different noodles, rice, fish, beef, everything, you name it, they've got it. So, no. definitely probably need to start running or doing something like that.
1: <laughs> well, if you do ultra running, that's like half of the battle is getting mm. the food in. So, I feel like you're halfway there.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, that's sorry. You're
1: saying? Oh, I was just going to say, um, just let us know how you got into physio.
2: Yeah. So, when I was growing up, um, I was quite a chubby little Asian boy. And <laughs> growing up, I, because so I grew up in New Zealand, actually. So my family oh. immigrated to NZ when I was one years old. So I didn't really get much of a say to that one. Um, so my mom actually took me, my mom and dad took me, my two siblings, um, along with two rice cookers. And we still <laughs> use the rice cookers to this day, actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, we. I, I grew up in New Zealand. So obviously grew up with a lot of uh, Maori white kids, and they all played rugby. I never was super sp- body so naturally I think I just got bullied as a kid just because I was that kid that looked different um mm. and so I I wanted to kind of stand up for myself so I started hitting the gym when I was about 13 14. just every day bicep kills every single day
0: <laughs> what know? else bicep day right? Friday to Friday and on the weekends too Every day is arm day.
2: (laughs) And I used to train my biceps so hard that I could not wash myself that
0: night. Oh my gosh. Where is this story going? I don't know. I don't know. Things
2: are taken for a weird turn. (laughs) So that's how I got into training. It's just, I just wanted to get big and build muscle so I could get that respect. Mm. Um, And then. After a while, I started to learn that there's actually more muscles in the body than just the biceps. (laughs) So I started training a bit smarter. I started training legs, my back, and blah, blah, blah. And that's how I first developed an interest and a passion for anatomy. And I guess that's how I started uh, studying a little bit more, just watching YouTube, um, reading articles. And that's how I started. And then when I got to the point where I wanted to choose a career, I thought, you know, why not physio seems, seems like it ticks all the boxes. I get to help people, um, and come from like a physical perspective. So that's how I got into it.
1: Yeah. Very nice. Um, I'm glad that you've moved on from the bicep girls. Um, that's a good, a good journey, good progression. Um, yeah, I think it would be really cool for our listeners to get a bit of an understanding of, I guess, sort of the things to expect when, when seeing a physio runners are injured, quite frequently probably more often than we would like um Mm. but i think a lot of the time it's hard for people to understand when they should be seeking help or when is it just sort of normal pain just from everyday training so Mm. have you got any thoughts around at what point should someone come and see someone like yourself if they're a little bit sore or feeling a bit niggly or if they've had something ongoing for a while what point do you think it's time to sort of seek some help
2: yeah, good. That's a really good question. Um, well, first of all, I like to say that if you've got a, if you're in an area and you've got a physio or an osteo or, or someone or you know exercise physiologist who is a runner themselves, I would aim to go see them because there's no better no better way than going to see someone who understands your sport. Uh, so whether that be weightlifting or CrossFit. I would go someone go to someone who understands the sport. I think as a general whole, physios have a pretty good understanding of the the body and biomechanics and strength training and all that. But if you can go find someone who understands the sport, it'd be even better because you know runners runners like to support other runners as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's if, really good, yeah. Because even I even remember as a kid, like seeing quite a few different people and having. Various injuries, like the classic severs and oscar Mm. sliders. And yeah, the advice was like, don't run, just stop. And obviously I then saw different health professionals and ones with more running background and uh, the advice is quite different. So there's probably so, and you hear that all the time, people going to see someone and they're like, oh, they just told me I should have a break from running. I'm like, was that it? Like, was there anything else? Like, no, no, just rest. I'm like, what is going on? This is not right.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, um, and I'll, I I follow a mantra when I when I work, and that's calm stuff down and build stuff up. Mm,
1: so I, I like think
2: it. sometimes the rest part is important to mm. in order to calm something down. Like especially if you've got something like a a stress fracture, you need to mm. calm that down. You shouldn't keep running on that. That's a case where you should rest. But something mm. like um. Like, as we'll talk about later, patellofemoral pain, you don't want to completely rest because then that reduces the tendon's ability to withstand load. So you don't want to mm. rest completely. You want to build up the capacity by doing things like strength training. So that's not sitting down. That's that's doing things like your squats, your lunges, your step-ups. And yeah, I forgot your question, sorry.
1: When should someone see a physio? So say they're getting a bit of that f- uh, patellofemoral pain um, and it's just sort of just started coming on. Should they come and see you straight away or is it something that you kind of leave for a couple of weeks and see if it gets any worse or at what point is it time
2: definitely when you have when you start getting pain that's number one time to start seeing someone about it but mm-hmm. i always think that uh, what's that saying prevention is better than cure is that what mm-hmm. they say that's yeah it. <laughs> so if you start to get any niggles around your kneecap or achilles tendon or, or your calf, if you start to get that um, that feeling that's not associated with the DOMS feeling. Uh, so what DOMS stand for is delayed onset muscle soreness. So as we touched on before, when I was training bicep curls every day and couldn't wash myself that <laughs> night, that's pretty severe DOMS. Um, but usually it goes away in a couple of days, right? But um, if if your pain is not settling, uh, then that's time you go and see uh, a physio or someone who understands running to help you.
0: Mm. and um you said with it with doms like it goes away in a couple of days um mm. what about runners always use the word niggle and i feel mm. like it's something that is often used when you're like don't sort of it's almost like a mental protection to be like it's not an injury like, it's just a little <laughs> niggle and i say all the time like yeah. oh, i've just got a few little little things happening what yeah. is that like what is that sort of gray zone like is there a space in between doms and an injury or is that just like the early stage of an injury like what what about those Mm. in between ones yeah
2: that's a really good question i think Mm. there is a gray zone where you actually just don't know sometimes Mm. and sometimes those doms can progress to something a bit more severe so i think if you're a runner who's been running for a while it's a bit easier for you to distinguish whether something's a niggle versus something's a Uh, doms that will get better in a few days. Um, So I think it does come with experience. Like for me personally, I'm not a personally I'm not a runner, but I do go to the gym quite a bit. And sometimes I come back from the gym and I know that, okay, this pain is something out of the blue. I haven't experienced this before. And so that this could be potential for an injury whereas most of the time i come back from the gym and i feel just overall like i've had a good workout and that's part Mm -hmm. of the adaptation model right Mm. so it does come with a bit of time and experience in the sport i think
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's something yeah that people can sort of um recognize is yeah. After you've had a big run, you're going to feel a little bit heavy in the legs, a little bit sore, just generally all over. Um, mm. But I guess if there's, yeah, those different things that you haven't had before, or if it's a different area or or somewhere really sort of specific and isolated to a, to an area, um, yeah. that might be time to to get it checked out. And then when they do book that appointment in, what does that initial consult usually look like? Now, obviously for each health professional, it's going to be slightly different, um, but what can someone expect in terms of the questions they'll be asked and how the appointment will run if they if they have that initial consult?
2: Yep. Another great question. You guys are just killing it with these questions. <laughs> oh,
1: thanks for the compliments. <laughs>
2: that's all right. That's all right. Um, so personally, for me, I really value uh, longer appointment times. So I'm not sure if you guys know this guy called Mick Hughes.
1: No. ACL. The ACL guy. ACL oh, guru. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, and he he's been working in the game for a long, long time. And he's wh- who we consider as an ACL physio. Like he's he's specializing in this area. And he also really values longer appointment times because humans are complicated and especially runners, they're a very complicated <laughs> bunch of humans. <laughs> but the subjective interview, in my opinion, the subjective interview, if you do a good one as a physio, then a lot of the times you get the diagnosis through the subjective interview. So if you only ask questions such as, uh, what do you do? And then they say, oh, I run. And then you go, okay, cool. Um, and then just skim over it. Then you're not getting the 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 big picture and you're not getting the the entire picture. So when someone comes to me and they say that they are a runner, well I like to delve a bit deeper and say and ask questions like well what's your running load throughout the week? Uh most runners I would say have a, have a smartwatch or some sort of an app that they track their running. Um Strava. Strava, yep. Mm-hmm. That that weird app that people use.
1: <laughs> Few people use, it. Yeah. Way better than Instagram.
2: <laughs> debatable, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like if they've got Strava, they pull it up and have a look at their weekly load. So it's good to understand what their load is. Um, but not only their running load, but also uh, their external loads. So maybe they work as a concreter or they work as a tradie who does lots of lots of walking. That's also load going through their their legs or their their knees, for example. Um, so their occupation. The, the sports they play. Some runners play um, AFL or soccer on the weekend. That's also obviously more running. Um, I would also like to ask about their goals. So are they training for a half marathon or training for, I don't know, uh, just couch to 5K, for example. Um, also like to ask about the surface that they like to run on, the type of running shoe they use, uh, whether or not they do strength training is a big question I like to ask. Um, and some external factors that don't really affect, well, people that people don't think affect running things like your sleep, uh, quality and your stress levels as well. Some, I I feel like teachers, especially, um, during the term they are on, they're running on fumes and quite often the stress is high, um, things like nutrition, hydration, all those things that often get skimmed over. I like to ask. And the last thing I kind of look at is running technique now. I'm not a, as I said before, I'm not a runner myself. So I'm not too comfortable with changing someone's technique uh, unless there was something that I was super confident in changing. But running technique, I also look at just just to get a bit of an overview. And I also like to film their running technique as well. So all the stuff, it takes time. It, It doesn't take five minutes. It takes at least, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So if you're seeing a patient in 15 minutes, I doubt you can do a very detailed subjective interview.
1: Yeah, there's so much to it. And I think even just those questions and I guess um, describing all those different factors, I think really highlights to runners that it can be so helpful to get an opinion and get some help because trying to figure it out yourself, trying to work out, oh, have I run too much or have I not slept enough? And it's all just going on in your head. If you can just speak it out to someone and talk it through with them, even without them necessarily diagnosing you or giving you any sort of information, it might sort of become clearer in your head as well. Because There are just so many different factors and so many things going on. So I think it's nice if you can have that time and have someone just listen to you and, and ask you the right questions that can be helpful.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I like to add on to like, if your physio, who, who you go see, if they, if they don't let you finish your story before they cut you off, go to another one because (laughs) I I have a pet peeve when it comes to uh, health professionals, not, truly listening to their patients. Um, This is something that I've only recently really honed in on is, is when I, when I first see someone come in through the doors and I say to them, all right, what brings you in after I build my rapport and banter all that crap. Mm -hmm. After I do (laughs) that, I I say, okay, so what brings you in to see me? That's when I be quiet and let the patients tell me their story, because if they don't feel heard, then they're not going to trust me. They don't feel like I know the whole picture. So they're going to naturally have doubts about my, competence so let the patients talk and as the physio or practitioner just let them speak
0: mm. um, something that you said which i thought was so fantastic <clears throat> so when i was speaking about this a little while ago mm. about emotional stress slash i guess just stress as its own category outside of training stress because it's just such a big thing and obviously it has a huge impact on how a person is able to tolerate their actual training load. Mm. Uh, but something that we thought was we find quite hard is that you can't measure it that well. Like things like sleep, you can sort of measure and, you know, you can often see like these big life events, like, um, you know, if there's a death in the family or something really huge that's gone on, you know, we, we can say, okay, you know, I'm having a really tough time. Maybe I'm going to rest, relax, whatever. Um, or, you know, sometimes we'll use exercise to cope with emotional stress but all those like little bits and pieces that just add up like little stresses here and there they're so hard to mm. r- really truly ob- objectively Quantified. analyze yeah and quantify yeah. yeah exactly so are there certain questions that you ask your patients about that like how do you approach that topic without um I guess being too invasive of people's personal life or yeah you know there's certain questions that you ask to to get that patient even just thinking maybe even just planting a seed on like oh yeah there's other things happening in my life how do you approach that
2: mm. again another another really interesting question because this is where building that rapport and, uh, and also just to add on to that another question that you should ask especially if you're treating a female runner uh, especially in the adolescent age is whether they started their period or not and Honestly, like this question is very awkward to ask if you mm. if you don't have um, any experience with asking these questions and often patients can feel a little bit, wow, this is very forward. Why would a Mm. physio want to know about my period cycle, right? Mm. But as long as you explain why you're asking these questions, patients don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if you explain to them why you're asking about their period, uh, then I feel like they will be way more receptive and, and open to these questions. So just to answer your question, on um, how to approach these little emotional stresses, I think just asking the questions like h- overall, how's your stress? How's your stress levels been? Mm. And then let them—they will tell you what they want to tell you. So if there's mm. a, been a death in the family, they might open up. If they don't, you're obviously not going to shine the light on them and <laughs> interrogate them. <laughs> uh, that would be very interesting. They'll never come back. That's for sure. <laughs> oh <my laughs> gosh. But yeah, just asking the question, leave it as an open ended question. If they want to share, mm. they will. But part of that is building that, uh, laying down that foundation. This is why, um, be- before I even ask the patient, so what brings you in to see me today? I like to spend the first two to three minutes just chewing the fat with them. You know, even if it's the cliche topics like, oh, you know, how about this weather we've been having here in Melbourne, eh? Four seasons in one day, all that stuff. It's <laughs> just showing the patient that, you're human as well and that they can that they can just speak to you on a human level. So yeah, that's kind mm. of how I go about it.
1: Yeah, I think um yeah, it's good to get an understanding of what sort of questions that you're asking the patients or the runners that are coming in. Mm. Um what about the questions that the runners should be asking? So I think a lot of the times um when you have someone come in to see you, you'll say, any questions? Have you got any questions? What are your thoughts on that? And they'll just mm-hmm. go, Yep, yeah, no, all good. I'll, I'll not ask anything, but they've probably mm-hmm. got some thoughts. They're just not kind of getting out. And then they might walk out and think, oh, I should have asked that. I should have said that. And there's yep. some just general things that, that you should be asking from your health practitioner. Um, I guess just different uh, questions around. What you should be doing, or mm-hmm. should you be getting any further scans, or mm-hmm. how long is this going to take? Those sort of questions that um, just to sort of reassure um, yourself as a runner.
2: Yep. So you've basically covered them all in your in your Sorry. No, no, that's We'll cut right. that out. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, make make me seem like the smart one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> nah, jokes. Don't do that. Um, uh, yeah. So questions that you should be asking your health professional are questions such as. So what do I need to do? So there are three things that I give every single one of my initial patients. The first one is I tell them what I think is the diagnosis Mm -hmm. or what's causing their pain. And the second thing is how long is the sucker going to take? So if it's something like a stressy, I have to be really honest with them. It could take months to to come good, okay. And you may you will need if it's like a foot a stress fracture in your foot, you will require something like a like a boot to really offload that bone. Um, so be as honest. I always say to 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 other physios to overestimate the the time frame rather than under because if you underestimate. And the runner goes, well, you said three weeks. It's It's mm-hmm. been three weeks. Why am, why am I still not able to run? Then they're going to, again, lose that trust. But if you say it's going to take six weeks, but then you get them good in three weeks, they're going to refer people to you. They're, you're going to be the absolute <laughs> mm-hmm. king king G. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the second thing is how long is the soccer going to take? And then the third thing, which is very important, is what do I need to do to get better? Mm. So if your if your health professional is not answering these three questions, then that's that's when you should ask, because it's totally in your right to know these three things when you leave a consult. So the mm-hmm. diagnosis, the time frame, and and what and what's my homework? What do I need to do? So that homework could look like strength training, perhaps, or it could it could look like you just need to offload for a week, or it could be, um, now that's it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> completed it that's good um and what about the sort of thing so we've got some kind of questions we should be asking but should we be prepared going into this consult and kind of have a bit of an understanding of um some things i'm not going to answer the question for you but i'm just going to say <laughs> what information should we know going into the consult in terms of our running related issue
2: yep uh so definitely Know what your running loads are. So, this is when mm-hmm. they're having the app really comes in handy. Because um, no doubt your physio will ask you about that. Um, and also, know what shoes you run in is just because I think every physio or, or podiatrist or any health professional would want to ask you what shoes you wear. Now, there's a lot of debate and lots of controversy around which shoes are the best. Um, honestly, mm. I just think the most comfortable shoe is the right shoe for you. So um, yeah, I actually I actually get a lot of my running knowledge from the sports medicine project with Blake
1: and oh, Kelly. Oh nice, yeah, yeah yeah. We've had yeah. Blake on the podcast before actually.
2: Oh, I'm sorry to hear. You must have chewed your ear <laughs> <air>
1: off. <laughs> that's why he's only been on once. Yeah, never again.
2: <laughs> nice. These bloody podiatrists, they think they know everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's all right.
2: Yeah, he goes right. So yeah, just like questions like that. So you're running load, what shoes you run in um and other than that i can't really think of oh and also just general questions like um what surface you run on are you do you mm-hmm. run along on sand on grass
0: on gravel um yeah that's yeah. about it <clears throat> and what about um like the, the type of pain because i know that's something that i ask my patients you know when do you actually feel it? like at the start of the run the end of the run or about the next mm. day blah, blah blah and i know that's something that sometimes patients are like oh actually <laughs> I'm not sure. And then they come back the next consult. They're like, oh, so I paid attention and actually blah, blah, blah. Um, is that something that runners should be paying attention to when they do have little niggles pop up?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You actually, um, uh, good prompting there. I think I think that's very true in terms of some. Uh, if you have something like a tendinopathy, uh, it's usually th- the usual course of pain is you can feel it at the start. But as you warm up, the pain goes away. Whereas something like a like a stressy, it will just be it will get sorer and sorer. You might even have night pain because it's bone related. So having a good understanding of the behavior of your pain is also a good idea to bring that in with your um, to your consult.
0: Yeah, awesome. And probably another one which. I feel like I get asked all the time and mm. is probably, again, a little bit controversial, but yeah. scans. I think a lot of people are really keen to go straight to the doctor and get an X-ray, get an MRI. Um, I know myself when I had my stressy, I was like, I need to get an MRI. I want to see exactly what's going on in there. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Is that something that people should do? you know, they pull up a little bit sore than usual after the usual session, go straight to the doctor and go for an MRI? Or do we need to be a little bit more um, patient? What do you think?
2: I think with scans, it's definitely a really, really good tool that uh, we have in this day and age. Back in the day they, when when we didn't have MRIs, we would be not guessing, but a lot of things would be uh, in the gray area, but because we're in this day and age and we have this access to technology, I think a lot of people go to it a bit too quickly. So I would, my advice would be to come see uh, a professional to, to help you. If it requires a scan, this professional should advise for it. So there are some things that require a scan ASAP. Okay, no questions about it. But there are some things, like if you've got some... Um, minor knee pain after a a huge session you won't need an mri for that knee just yet okay so i only you only have to get a scan if there is a a query whether there's a serious medical pathology that's underlying that uh, potentially the doctor or the physio has missed um or if if there is uh basically querying whether there's something a bit more sinister going on that's when you need to get a scan um, or a lot of i know if you get referred to see a specialist then techni- then usually you get a scan to, before you go see the specialist so that they can um, have a look at what's going on but i don't think you need a scan right away and if you do have a scan uh, ready bring it in i think the the physios and the the pods would like to see what you've got done so whether that be x-ray or mri just bring it in um, and bring the report in as well but what we do know is that the the findings on your scan don't always correlate to the pain that you're feeling so we know with uh for example back lumbar spine mris um once you get up in age I think, you know, 30 to 40% of people will show some sort of disc degeneration, which is what they what they say in the reports, which sounds horrible, but not every one of them um will will have pain. So same thing with um with f- scans of your foot and ankle. I think a lot of scans will show up with um these incidental findings, but it doesn't always mean you're going to feel pain.
0: Mm. And so if someone um you know, they do go in and get a scan of their knee because they were just really keen to see if there's anything else going on in there. Maybe they haven't seen mm-hmm. a physio yet and there's arthritis or maybe they they found some arthritis in their foot. Does that mean that, I guess you've, you've already answered it, it's not necessarily the cause of their pain, it could be incidental, mm-hmm. but um, is that a red flag? Should they um, continue seeing their physio? Should they stop running? Um, what, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, so I would say arthritis in the knee, is almost as common as when you get older, your hair goes a bit grey. That's mm-hmm. what I like to say or explain that way to patients, because I know a lot of people they have heard their grandpa or grandma say something like, "Oh, you know, I've got OA." Or oh, so they won't say OA. <laughs> I've got arthritis. <laughs> I've got. I'm riddled with arthritis. Riddle, or yeah, yes. My, my knees, bone on bone. It's all wear and tear, and mm. all those, all those. um, sayings like bone on bone, it's so unhelpful for someone. Because if you hear that naturally, you're going to be like, oh crap, I can't move because if I Mm. move my bones going to wear, wear away. But we just know that that's not true because the joints like your knees, it requires load. So whether that be strength training or walking or running, it requires load in order to, uh, to, to see changes, whether that be um, increasing strength around the muscle, the muscles around the knee um. so, yeah, sorry, I've, I think I've gone on a tangent.
0: No, I love this tangent. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> it's such a misconception, isn't it? And yeah. I feel like there's this general sort of um idea that we're so fragile and we're deteriorating and, you know, we've got all these problems and issues and, like, once we get to a certain yeah. point, then, like, well, that's it. Like, I'm broken. Um, yeah. I even had someone say to me the other day, they're like, oh, my doctor would have a fit if they saw me working out in the gym. And I was just like, (laughs) no, they wouldn't. They would be (laughs) so happy with you. Or maybe, I don't know who your doctor is, but you like keep working out, like keep getting strong because it is the best thing you can do for every single part of your body. And it's so disappointing and frustrating when you have, and like, obviously you don't know exactly where the idea starts. And I think probably something you said often it's our seniors saying those things that you just said, like "I'm, I'm riddled with arthritis and maybe, maybe that's where it starts, or maybe it is some sort of misguided health professional. I'm not sure, but it's so upsetting and frustrating because the human body is so resilient. Like if I've like one thing at uni and in life, it's that we're so adaptable and yep. we can just keep adapting all the time. Like, and the body is designed to handle load and stress. Like that's exactly what it's built for.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So. At the moment, I'm writing the online course for for new grads and students, and part of the there's a module in there which is how to explain complicated stuff to patients. And one of these complicated things is if someone comes to you saying that they've got bone on bone or wear Mm. and tear. How do you address Mm. that? And how do you deconstruct that? Because we know that's just not true, and this is actually lies, um, Mm. like a like a false belief. So it's our job as the health professional to to gently and in a in a professional and and um, respectful way to deconstruct that and educate them the right the right uh, teaching I guess you can say
0: mm-hmm. that's awesome. Where uh, I mean, we are definitely getting sidetracked, aren't we? <laughs> but, I feel mean, like we could talk about this for so long. That's um right. I guess just sort of tying off on like what someone should be prepared for going into their consult. Um, one further question: Do you think people should come in like obviously? Strava is such a nice one, but, um, what about like the actual training sessions? Like on Monday I do eight hundreds or I did, you know, whatever the actual session was like, is that good too? Like, is that extra, extra advice, sorry, extra information that you would use, or is that just starting to get a bit too, too detailed? Uh,
2: I think the more information, the better, like the more pieces of the puzzle you get, the the better you can kind of map out their overall training and just life load through mm. their, through their joints. So I, I would personally, from my experience, I would like the person to bring in as much information as they can. I, I have these older people who like to write stuff down. Um, I think that's a great idea because, as humans, I think you, you forget a lot of things. So if you don't write stuff down, I think you forget. So definitely, if you, if writing stuff down is your jam, then then do that. But the more info, the more information you bring in, the better.
0: I've definitely written stuff down so many times before seeing health professionals. Yeah. So I'm really showing my age here. 25 <laughs> years in and gosh, I'm in decline, going,
2: going on 85.
0: Yeah. <laughs> gosh. Okay. So someone comes in they've got, you know, all their information, they've got their training diary. Mm-hmm. Um when you know we've done that subjective assessment what can they actually expect from the rest of the consult so you know we've spoken about gathering that information but Mm. what is a physio actually able to do to change that patient's experience of pain and get them better
2: Mm. so there's a real big common misconception that physios just massage or or are glorified masseuses is that is is masseuse (laughs) a, Ooh, a woman that's
1: yeah that's a really I, good question it sounds good you sounds keep talking good. i'll do some giggling <laughs>
2: <laughs> sounds good because i was like if masseuse is a woman then what's a man anyway oh just three a. <laughs> masseur? isn't it masseur or
1: something
2: masseur all right so physios are not masseuses and are, are not masseur there are people out there who are properly trained in that area so if you want a massage go see a massage therapist or a medial therapist um we physios use can use massage as a, as a tool in our toolbox, but um, what personally, what I like to do is I like to use my um, hands-on objective like testing skills that I learned from uni and learned from other um, people like yourselves and and Blake and Kelly from the sports medicine project. I like to use those skills to try to figure out what is what is actually the problem. So as I said before, the subjective interview, a good subjective interview should give you the diagnosis and your objective assessment is to either confirm or deny. So say that you are pretty sure that this person's got uh, patellofemoral tendinopathy type pain, then that's when you try to figure out what is the driver of their pain or what causes their pain so um, i use a few tests like the single leg squat so i could i get them to do a single leg rise off a chair and maybe their pain comes on after doing seven single leg sit stands okay good we've got the what i call the asterisk sign we've got the we've got the aggravator and then we can try use some certain techniques that um, physios use for example we can use strapping tape uh to maybe pull that Pull that kneecap a little bit more medially. Um, we can use um, maybe even orthotics potentially if they if they need orthotics. You can try orthotics to again see if they can get more single leg sit to stands without their pain coming on. So it's all about testing and then retest. So don't waste too much time doing one thing and then realizing okay that did nothing for the for the for the person in front of you. So test, retest, find what changes their pain. Um, but the end of the consult, I think it's always a good idea to get a list of exercises from the physio. So this, these exercises, you don't have to get a thousand exercises. In my opinion, I only give two to three exercises at once. Like i never give more than three because again, the more you give someone, the less likely they'll do it. So exercise is key and you should be doing these exercise, like strength training at least twice a week
1: that's good i think um yeah it's great to just i think for everyone to to walk out of there with something that they can do for themselves because the taping and the massage or needling or whatever passive treatment is being Mm. used to as you said calm it down Mm. can be great and can be helpful but then how do we help ourselves once we walk out the door um if you don't know how to strap or you don't know how to needle what are you going to do for yourself so i think having that list of exercises is kind of empowering for that Uh, patient or the runner to be able to continue their own treatment um, Mm. with the guidance of yourself
2: yeah for sure and i think the the saying of calm stuff down and then build it up again um, it's it's much easier said than done so Mm. it's important to work with um, someone who understands the sport so that they can help guide you okay we've taken this injury and we've calmed it down. Now, what do you need to do to build that resilience through that tendon or through that muscle? What do you have to do? And here are the things, A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. So that that's um, kind of my, my job in a nutshell is to guide someone because I think the knowledge, you can get the knowledge anywhere these days, right? You can go on YouTube, you can watch a video, but it's, taking that knowledge and then applying it, that's the hard part. And I think physios um, or any health professional, I just say physios because I'm a physio, but any health professional, a good health professional should take the knowledge and apply it to the normal person in front of you.
0: Mm. And um, something you said, like you know that principle of calming things down, which is often harder than it might actually sound. If a patient's come in or if a runner has gone in, gone in seen their physio, they've got these exercises, they've got some taping, whatever. If they don't actually feel any sort of immediate pain relief from that session, is that a sign that it hasn't been a good session or there's a bad feeling that they need to go see someone else or is it just really dependent on the actual condition?
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's where physios, we thrive, we strive and thrive in the gray area. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's going to be your new Insta bio. 100%. <laughs>
2: So that's something that I really, really struggled with as a new grad. And even to this day, because I I quite like facts and I quite like objective information, but Mm -hmm. we have to realize that working as a health professional, uh, quite often we have to be comfortable with not knowing the answer and we just Mm -hmm. have to trial and error. So if, if you're a patient, you go see someone who seems like they know what they're doing, Ask the right question, ask enough questions and has given you some things to work with, and the pain doesn't go away or the pain doesn't change. Don't give up on them too early. Uh, because if that's the case, I'd have no patience, <laughs> to, to be honest. So go back to the person and tell them what has happened. Because there are there's there's road A, there's road B, there's as a as a physio, there's so many different paths to recovery. So, what's to say road A is better than road B? So Go back to the physio and tell them what has happened and try together, collaborate the the decision and try to find another route to your goal.
0: Yeah, and does that just tend to happen, do you think, with more complex injuries or um, maybe the, the patient not being able to give a good subjective history? Like, do you think there are sort of things that might be more of a barrier or, I mean, again, it depends, right? Like just, yeah. it's nuanced, right? Is, is anything that? stands out to you on that front?
2: I think as a good health professional, you should be able to identify uh, holes or gaps in your question asking. So if you forgot to ask a question in the first consult, that's fine. Just ask them in the next consult. So I think you should be able to identify uh, what you're missing and then just ask the question the next session because not one person is able to hit all the marks in mm. the first consult, like, I mean, some people can, but I can't. So um, it's totally fair enough if they forget to ask a question or even if the patient leaves out some information, they might go home and be like, oops, I forgot to say that. <laughs> so next time or they, they might even email it to the to the physio afterwards.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. OK, so. Probably what we'd like to go through now is one of the most common running injuries, which yep. we mentioned before, patellofemoral pain. Um what is that? And is that something that you see quite frequently in your clinic?
2: So when I worked in Tamworth, uh this was, so I'm currently in Melbourne, but before this I was in Tamworth. My boss, he his name's Warren Ansel. I'm not sure if you've heard of this name before, but anyway, his name's Warren Ansel. Um, and he is a very, very keen runner. He's 52 years old. For his 50th birthday, he ran up and down this mountain for 50 kilometers nonstop. So oh. that's the type of wow. uh, avid runner that he is. <laughs> yeah. So naturally he'd, he'd bring in, just from his name, I suppose, because uh, Tamworth is not a big city, he'd bring in a lot of runners and he can't see everyone. So they naturally get distributed to all the other uh, physios. So yeah, PFJ, oh, sorry, patellofemoral joint pain or patellofemoral pain is is quite a common pathology that we see. Uh, For those of you who don't know patellofemoral, it's that, uh, so you have your kneecap and then underneath your kneecap, you've got this thick tendon that attaches onto your shin. So that thick tendon, that's your patellofemoral tendon. So quite often you can get pain. uh, So basically the definition of patellofemoral pain is, pain around or behind the kneecap and is aggravated by at least one activity that loads that joint so for example like uh stairs or squats um there can also be some crepitus which crepitus just means some how would you describe crepitus clicking <laughs> clicking and noises sub noises which isn't bone on bone if i must i must Preface. Um, so there could be a little bit of that crunching noises, um, some tenderness around the kneecap. Uh, there could be some swelling or even uh, pain when you have your knee bent in a long time and then you go to straighten it. And so they, these are all signs that you might have uh, patellofemoral joint pain. So yeah, it's quite a common case. And this is where we want to ask all these questions about your running load and try to get a big understanding of what your training load is like and also all those external loads that we talked about. And then from there, you might have to pull back on the running training uh, a little bit. So find that balance between running too little and running too much. So find that balance. And then when you have found that balance, that's when you work on building capacity through your muscles. So by doing things like strength training to build that capacity so that we can get you back to what you were doing before your um, previous running load and more.
1: Yeah. You mentioned in there about finding a balance. Now I think this is something that we constantly battle with is, doing too much or not doing not not doing enough i think for most people it's doing too much for most runners mm. how do we know when it's too much is it just something where you just have to start running and then you feel the pain and then you stop or is it something that you can kind of push through until it gets to be sort of a more intense pain or how do you find that balance
2: you have to try i think trial and error comes into this you can always you can always come about it from a more educated way so Um, For example, if your pain, if you know your pain comes on at that 5k mark, then that is your, your limit. So uh, that's where you chat with your physio about the running, the the overrunning load. So, but if you don't know when your pain comes on, then it is a bit of that trial and error, um, which is hard. I know because Mm. you just have to try.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And is it something that people can run through or is it going to get Damage, is it going to get worse if you continue to run um, while it is painful?
2: There are some pathologies out there that will get worse if you run through the pain. But for something like patella femoral pain, quite often you can typically run through the pain and finish your run. But just bear in mind that it's it's basically like having a bruise and then you go and, you go and push on it. Uh, it's not going to make the bruise worse, but it's just going to irritate the crap out of it after you do it for like, you know, 30, 40 times. So similar to the that bruise analogy, you can probably finish the run, but you just expect pain afterwards and the pain might linger for a little bit longer than if you had stopped when the pain had just come on. Yeah. So I would also want to add that if your pain does not settle or if it starts to give you um, like 10 out of 10 pain intense pain then that's when something's not right because it usually what happens is you run through the pain but if it's not a serious problem you run through the pain but the pain usually settles but if it doesn't that's when you have to be worried
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> like if it gives you more than three days of pain that's not good mm-hmm. because also tendons usually talk to you the day after as well mm. so especially things like uh yeah patellofemoral tendon or achilles tendon usually the day after is when it's uh responsive or will tell you if there's pain or not so you've got to take that with a grain of salt as well
0: mm. and there's certain risk factors for patellofemoral joint pain that our runners can i mean like you said at the start of this episode prevention mm. is better than cure mm. the things that we can be actively doing in our day-to-day running routine or strength routine or whatever it is to prevent and avoid patellofemoral pain?
2: So with the risk factors, it's actually quite an interesting one. Um, I don't have any solid research to back what I'm about to say. So don't crucify me, please. (laughs) Uh, I'm talking to you, Blake.
1: Yeah, I was (laughs) going
2: to say. Skip this part. Skip this part, yeah. So I... What I've, what I have learned in the past is that some of the risk factors are that there's non-modifiable risk factors, and then there's modifiable ones. So things you can change and things you can't change. So one of them was knee angle. So if your knee is more into what we call valgus, so it kind of caves in that change in angle might, uh, might be a associated risk factor for developing this type of pain um, another risk factor could be weak hips. Um, I know a lot of physios out there would, would you know, if any runner comes in immediately, it's the glute med or, you know, glute mm-hmm. exercises. It's not always the case, but it can be due to weak hips that's causing it. Um, another one, it could be that foot as well, that foot position, um, which correlates with uh, the knee valgus. Um, so again, there's no... I think the evidence is definitely changing, and I'm super open to critique about this. So, please, if you know if there's any, um, you know, hard and fast risk factors, I'd love to know them.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, um, I mean, it's just such a, a common one, isn't it? Working on the glutes. I think probably every runner who's ever seen a physio has come back yeah. with some form of glute training at some point. Um, yeah. Is, is that, do you think at times, um and you know we could probably talk about this for ages because it's such a huge such a huge point of discussion but do you think that's ever sort of overhyped or overplayed that glutes aren't working and we need to get them strong like um do you think that's almost just like a blanket approach to treating runners or do you think it's the reason why it's so commonly used as a treatment is because it's really valid and really important part of running
2: I do think it's over it's over focused the glutes like not everything is due to a weak glute mead. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to strengthen the crap out of that tendon that's mm-hmm. painful. So mm-hmm. um, that's why I, I really love giving if you're a runner and you're not doing these exercises such as the basic squat or lunges or step ups, all those really basic exercises that don't necessarily look functional you know how there's lots of um new fads <laughs> ec- out there with runners doing all these exercises that look like they're running mm. um you know it, your exercises don't need to look like you're running so the basic squat the basic lunge can do the trick as long as you follow the rule of um, progressive overload and if as long as you ex- expose the tendon to enough load then the tendon will go through change and adaptation by getting stronger and that's That's the wolf's law. Uh, The body will adapt to however way you stress it.
0: Mm. Oh, that is just such a huge thing, isn't it? I feel like Mm. if everyone just remembers one thing, that would be the thing to remember. The body will adapt. Um, How do we know if we're loading it enough? You said... um, uh to be overloading increasing load what did you say that magic word progressive overload progressive <laughs> overload yeah um what is that maybe gosh maybe i need to go back through this <laughs> um what is that uh, and if someone is new to strength training or maybe they're doing it but they're not sure if they're progressive overloading how can they be sure
2: yeah great question so there's this idea of the load and capacity diagram. So every single tissue in the body has a capacity. And what capacity means is the amount of um, strain or amount of stress a tissue can withstand without failure, pretty much. So, so that's that's capacity. And then you have load, which is the amount of uh, tension through this tissue so every tissue in the body has a capacity so when you do progressive overload basically is you're exposing the tissue gradually over time load so that the capacity of the body or of that tissue will slowly start to increase and improve so usually when injuries occur is when the load completely surpasses the the ability uh, of the tissue to withstand that load. That's usually when injuries or higher risk of injury to occur in that moment. So the the idea of progressive overload is super important when it comes to making gains. It's like when you go to the gym, you're not going to go in and lift a thousand kilos straight off the bat, but you might start lifting from, say, you know, 10 kilos. And then each week as you go up, that's the idea of progressive overload It's the idea of blisters versus calluses too like if you go too hard too soon you get blisters but if you go nice and slowly then you develop calluses so be a callus not a blister
0: <laughs> nice like my it. feet definitely support that so i think i'm <laughs> on um the road to being a strong adaptable resilient runner oh, oh yeah
2: that's <laughs> preach sister preach
0: <laughs> um something that we always like to finish episodes with is uh, our guest's favorite pair of running shoes which i imagine that <laughs> you don't have shoes. any running shoes, Crocs, but Crocs. i'm keen to hear oh. what you wear in the gym mm.
2: great question uh i wear what are the reebok nanos oh, oh
0: the, the classic, classic
2: yeah shoe. I'm, a, I'm a bit of a basic gym boy yeah, yeah. good
0: which ones are you in? I kind of what number are they even up to now?
2: Uh oh, great question. I think I'll wear the eights, but I used oh. to wear I used to wear Nike Matcons.
0: Oh nice. Oh.
2: Yeah. But I do have one one um annoyance that I have with mm. the, my current nanos. Is mm. that the the heel? Sorry, the cup. Sorry, mm. the part where it is contact is in contact with your Achilles, Achilles. tendon. And yeah. it's kind of sharp. Oh. oh, so that's ouch. why I can't run because if I run, it gives me a blister on my heel. So that's, no, that's you the reason need different shoes. No, 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 no. It's because <laughs> yeah, of that. you can't
1: run in nanos. They're just for the gym solely. They can't go outdoors. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's true.
2: That's where I'm going. <laughs> you wrong. need
1: some Nike alpha flies. I'm sure Blake can hook you up with a pair.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. doesn't he have like a discount code
1: or something. No, oh, I think he likes to think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, very good. Thank, thank you so for those time. questions. That was awesome. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And if people would like to hear more from you, which I'm sure they will, they can check out your podcast and your Instagram page. If they would like a laugh, you've got plenty of
0: funny Mm. content
1: on your Instagram, which um, Lydia and I always send to each other because we find it very hilarious. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, definitely check all that out. And if you're local to Melbourne and want to work with Dan, then I'm sure you can reach out to him by Instagram and, yeah, get some help for your injuries. Mm -hmm. And and also, um,
0: Dan, would you better tell the listeners a little bit about what you're actually working on? Because obviously you're a physio and you treat a whole variety of injuries, but uh, you also have a podcast and you're also working on some things behind the scenes too.
2: Yes. Um, So yeah, I have a podcast and it's called The Flexing Physio. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And basically it's designed to help new grads and students who are interested in doing private practice work. So as I said before, I'm relatively new in the workforce. I've only been working for three short years. um, And there's so much to learn and there's so much uh, evidence is changing all the time. And I think it's important to stay humble and uh, receptive to change. So leaving that ego at the door. Um, Yeah, so I'm working currently behind the scenes. I'm working on an online course that's more specifically designed for really fresh new grads. So I'm trying to pump it out because I know grads are about to start work and Mm. also students who are in their third or fourth year of uni who uh, might be feeling a bit lost, whether they want to go into private work or uh, public hospital work. Um, This course will give you what I wish someone told me before starting private practice work. That's it. Nice.
1: That's great. That's gonna be so helpful for so many people. Um Thanks. So yeah, we will as soon as that's available, we'll put it on our Instagram for people to check out and yeah, learn from you.
2: Awesome. Help me pay off my mortgage and yeah. and fund my coffees.
1: Fund your coffees and Someone's your microphone as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's your true headphones. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Dan. Nah. We appreciate it.
2: Thanks. I really, really had a good time. Thanks, guys.